James chapter 1, verses 9-12 through 12. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. This seems like God doesn't like people who are wealthy, but this is in no way true. The problem which sometimes happens with wealth is people begin to believe in their own competency as a salvation schema in their lives. God wants them to realize he has given them all they possess, and this should humble us. Both circumstances, rich and poor, should view themselves as God views them. Each is exhorted or encouraged to take pride or boast, but to boast in Christ. I was listening to a podcast with Malcolm Gladwell as the guest, and he said something that has resonated a great deal with me. He said he used to chase fame, recognition, and money. But after a while, when he realized his work had provided a roof over his head and food on the table, he realized the pursuit of all the rest, fame, recognition, and money, were just vanity and ego. When he was able to let the pursuit of those things go, or at least place them in the correct position in his life, he was finally able to simply focus on the work. Good work, said Gladwell, was reward enough on its own. He also said he was surprised that from the good work, the other things eventually flowed. In a similar way, the author is pushing both situations to recognize what is from God and what they have done themselves, and to differentiate between the two on their own. In this way, they can both boast as to their high position, but realizing this position comes from God and not from their own achievements or their own lack, but because of the position they find themselves in because of the grace and protection of God. What we have and what we lack does not make our identity. That comes solely from Christ alone. Just to be clear, the language is not pitting the rich and the poor against one another or saying one is better than the other. Rather, one who is rich, who is a Christian, should take as much pride in his low position as the poor brother or sister can take pride in their high position in Christ. The author is pointing both of these people to their identity in Christ to be the things giving them significance and giving them hope. Maintaining such a perspective can be hard both for those with little and for those with a lot. Interestingly, James may see wealth as a bigger trial and trouble than poverty poses to the believer. Again, the myth of competency can be an alluring identity. Pride in achievement must always be tempered by the understanding that nothing we do, nothing we accomplish, and nothing we gain is close to what Christ has done for us. By including verse 12 in this pericope or section, we allow James to return to the opening topic of the paragraph, trials. He is reminding the believing Christian that our accomplishments pale in the face of the crown of life that is promised to those who love Christ. This, not so much a reward as a gift from God for leaning into faith in Jesus, is a much greater accomplishment than what we have worked so hard to gain through our efforts or our trials. In this way, James gives each of us, wealthy and poor, accomplished and failed, 
a reminder of where our identity and accomplishments are ultimately held. When people ask you what you do, how do you answer them? In some ways, this is where you have placed your identity and sometimes your value. What can you do to readjust what you are proud of in your life? Of what do you boast? How can you remind all of those around you of your identity in Christ? 